Uh, when I was a kid, my dad had a Nintendo, uh, the original Nintendo. I liked watching him play, but wasn't super into anything but duck hunts. You remember it had the little gun, you didn't have to have a controller. Uh, so some of my friends, though, started playing Nintendo. And one day at the wise old age of five, I came home and announced that I wanted to learn how to play Mario. My dad uh, was happy to oblige, and we fired up the console. For the uninitiated, you start Mario with three lives. And in the course of about three minutes, I had lost all of them by being killed by the first Goomba who walked across the screen. At the sign of game over, I threw the controller down, exclaimed that I hated video games and would never play them again, and stomped out of the room in fury. I stayed true to my rash oath and didn't play again for many, many years. This would be a significant flaw in my character that would emerge again and again. If I couldn't succeed at once, at whatever it was I was trying for the first time, I declared it dumb and not worth trying at all. As an aside, I've always worked for priests who have children, um, and in their sermons, their illustrations are all about their kids and whatever wild thing they're up to these days. And I've never really considered uh, how useful it would be to have kids until this job, when I've spent a year and a half making some very embarrassing confessions about me. <laughs> um, so anyway, my bratty little niece, right, threw down the Nintendo controller and swore she'd never play again. Maybe it was a good thing I didn't run into something like the Sermon on the Mount before I experienced multivariable calculus, or messy breakups, or hanging drywall, or other trials that taught me to fail again and again. We're in our third week of Jesus' sermon and have delved into more impossible waters. Anger is murder. Divorce is adultery. Insulting someone will send you to hell. When someone asks for your coat, give him the shirt off your back. Cut off the hand that does harm. Pluck out the eye that lusts. Be perfect, Jesus will say in just a few verses. This is the one sermon we get from Jesus, a kind of compilation of his teachings. Why is it like this? Gregory of Nyssa wonders about the Sermon on the Mount. Is the Lord urging us to do something beyond our nature? Has he gone beyond the limitations of human capacity by the enormity of his command? Kierkegaard said that this sermon was an ethical impossibility leading to existential despair. On the one hand, Karl Barth says that this sermon was the call to a better righteousness, but Derrida said it was an individual responsibility to the other so total that it is psychically unbearable. At some point, C.S. Lewis was called out for saying he didn't care for the Sermon on the Mount. 
He said in reply, well, if caring for here means liking or enjoying, I suppose no one cares for it. Who can like being knocked flat on his face by a sledgehammer? I can hardly imagine a more deadly spiritual condition than that of the man who can read that passage with tranquil pleasure. Maybe that's the first thing to say. If you felt anything while that gospel was being read, you've already got the point more than someone who didn't. As we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Matthew is retelling the story of Jesus and pointing to him as the new Moses, the greatest of all prophets. Moses gave a sermon on the mount. It was the law, the list of everything you had to do to be right with God. In his sermon today, Jesus now talks to a particular kind of person, the one who has been following this law all along. All right, Jesus says, you've not murdered anyone, you've not cheated on your spouse, you're not divorced. But the anger you feel, the trash you talk about others, that's the same stuff murder is made of. It's all swirling around in you, too. You haven't committed adultery, but the lust, the long look, the objectification, it's the same thing. It's all right there in you. Do you see what's happened? What he's done? We've all been leveled in one fell blow. There's no one who gets out of this sermon without feeling that sledgehammer. The decent person in the next pew and the petty thief and the unrepentant murderer you, me, Vladimir Putin, Gregory of Nyssa, we're all made of the same stuff. Which on one hand is good news. All those instructions not to judge are trying to get us to recognize something at the core of us all, to see in the people we despise most the things which live in us too. We share the same struggles, the same pain, the same trials. And on the other, you now have heard an impossible requirement of you from the mouth of God incarnate. I don't know where you go with this, but I do know the instinct to throw down the controller of an impossible game that hearing this can lead to existential despair, or worse, just shrugging your shoulders and going on untouched. Christianity is actually an unwinnable game. Loving someone perfectly, have you done it? Forgiving completely, have you? Maybe this sermon holds a key for what the Christian life looks like, that it's never static. When you stop growing or trying or failing or changing, that's when you stop being a Christian. Not by failing to live up to the rules, but by thinking 
you've reached it. Each hopeful, failing step you take toward the way of Christ makes you more and more fit for the world you can't see, but for which you know in your bones you were made. A world where that distance between the saint and the sinner and the neighbor and the enemy, the one that's in you, is finally closed. <laughs>